Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Exciting, exciting times here in the uh, in the atmosphere of golf. We've got professional golf back, Corn Ferry Tour, PGA Tour, all the tours. Just kidding, not all the tours, but we're back, Dante. We played down in Ocean City last week. I want to talk about that this week, too. We got an exciting interview with Joe Jack, head of operations out at Asher Golf, coming up after our little chat. But, dude... Professional golf's back, and I got to be honest, fans or no fans, it didn't really much matter. I was just pumped to see the boys back in action. Yeah, and to be honest, uh, I watched a little bit of Thursday and a little bit of Friday. Didn't really catch the weekend because obviously I was out and about playing my own golf. Not as great as what you saw on TV. <laughs> um, a lot much worse, but we don't have to get into that. But, yeah, I mean, it was – it was cool to watch, and honestly, as a golf fan, golf fanatic, you kind of didn't even really realize that they were, if fans were even there or not. I mean, granted, it was a little bit quieter, but I think uh, broadcasting kind of filled in those gaps as per se, like as if you would hear fans. Um, I thought they did a pretty decent job on that aspect. So honestly, you just had no idea. You were just watching golf because yeah, you were excited. You, to you watch and I live talked sports. about that a little bit. You know, it's not like golf's played in the raucous atmosphere that like, you know, you're missing the crowd noise that like if if NFL comes back and won't play in the stadium or college football comes back in the fall and doesn't play with fans, you know, it, it's not like we were missing that kind of stadium noise. So other than maybe some guys hitting some errant tee shots throughout the week and, you know, having a little bit longer of a look for them than normal, um, it, I, yeah. I, I feel like it was business as usual. Yeah, it was. And I think it was for the viewer, it was business as usual, but they did interview some of the players asking, how was it with not fans? And Spieth, you know, the mental head case that he is, he was like, it was actually great because I was able to clear my mind a lot and like think through processes a lot easier without background noise. And then, then you had, uh, I think Gary Woodland said that it, it was different because he didn't have the crowd cheers to get his adrenaline going. So he had to kind of go a little MJ and kind of dig a little deeper and just make up stories to get himself going. Uh, and then, you know, some of the guys were just, yeah, it was like, whatever. Can you we, know, can I'm, we I'm talk about just, can we talk about the no fan scenario possibly being the greatest possible scenario in which Jordan Smith can make a comeback from his kind of, you know, rut <laughs> that he was in? Yeah, I, I think so because, you know, I mean, seems like he's a serious head case. Uh, and especially he was been struggling too uh, last season. So in order for him to kind of get his confidence back and, get to that playing ability that everyone knows when Jordan Speed came onto the scene. I think being able to play with no fans and having more of a clearer mind can help him get to that. I that think there was, a, there was a lot of, there was a lot of things going on swing work with him that he even talked about, like, you know, he wasn't ready to, he kept using the phrase, I wasn't ready to debut it. I wasn't ready to show it to people. Like I feel like he had in his mind, like if he made the swing changes, people were going to talk about it and overanalyze it, which then in turn would have, would have made him overanalyze it because he's already over analytical. So I feel like with no fans out there, he's probably more comfortable to make these swing changes or at least like, 
debut, a new swing, it doesn't look that much different if he's made any swing changes. I tell you what has turned back on for him is the putter. His putting was yeah. absurdly good again this week, which is how he makes a living. When Jordan Spieth mm. plays well, it's because he putts well. Yep. Couldn't agree more. So and Yeah, that kind of makes sense, too, because on the fan aspect, whether – whether you know how to ignore them or whether they, they can get to you. I mean, granted, I, don't, I honestly think, you know, that one person will say something and then that will kind of stick into your head. And if you're one person that kind of gets in your head already and someone, just that one person makes one little remark that could, that can haunt the rest of your round. So it's probably good for him to get his mind clear. And obviously I guess if he's got swing changes going, you know, they put those fully in effect and, get comfortable out there because honestly a lot of the times golf is is you do a lot better when you're a lot you're more when you're comfortable out there and then and then the confidence kicks in when you're confident you're you're having positive thoughts and positive thoughts make positive outcomes. A hundred percent. Well, good T10 for him this, you know, to start out the kind of comeback of the PGA tour season. Uh, I hope to see, you know, him play well the rest of the year. Uh, I just think he's good for the game when Spieth's out there competing. Um, also a T10 right there with him, bringing home a measly $181,000. Uh, Justin Thomas, you know, he's always a force to be reckoned with and, and cool to see him at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, but a guy you couldn't miss this week and the media, I think, overplayed it. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau and his 40 pound, you know, beefcake body now. No, um, no neck Bryson. Yo, his neck is as wide as his head. He's massive. I mean, let, me just, let me just tell you, when, when, when Bryson was joking around, I don't think, and everyone thought he was joking around when he said he was going to put on some weight over the winter. Let it be known that when Bryson says he's going to do something, the man does it 110%. And, yeah. and he's infatuated with gaining muscle now. I, it might not stop at this. We might have Arnold Schwarzenegger DeChambeau by the end of the season. I think he's just going to keep piling like on the weight. The memes where they get like other like jacked people and they just throw his head on it is it's hysterical. But my favorite listen. meme from everything was uh, if anybody watches SpongeBob and you know Muscle yeah, Muscle Beach, it's all yeah, yeah the big the big lobster that's all jacked yeah. from SpongeBob with Bryson DeChambeau's head. That's a pretty accurate representation of the guy hitting bombs down the fairway. Yeah, he was definitely hitting bombs, and but. You know, you got to give credit where credit is due. That guy put in the work. He said he was, he wasn't, I mean, he was, he was hitting the bar far enough already um, for like the tour average. And he's just like, ah, I don't, I don't think I'm hitting it far enough. So I'm going to, I'm going to hit the weights and I'm going to get that. I'm going to get bigger and I'm going to get um, faster club head speed, which he did. And, but again, which I didn't like, and we discussed too, and which you didn't like is the way it was ever you turned on golf channel it was bryson's deep jambo's 40 uh pounds of um gain it's like and the then, golf industry doesn't like know his, what to do with someone actually working out and like and putting on muscle and then they're talking about how far he's hitting and then we can get into this too because i'll call him out again i swear to god they skew the numbers because i was watching one and they're saying he's like hit, he was hitting all these like drop. He was carrying like everything like over three twenty. But yo, if you watch some of those clips that they showed, 
that ball's landing at like 315 on the ground, and but the number's still rolling. Not and even. Pissed- there, there's a bunch of times you, you brought it up to me, so I started watching a little closer. It was land- – now, granted, I'm, a, I'm saying this only. Like, he's still hitting bombs. He's flying oh, the ball 100%. over 300 yards. But yeah. they're giving him an extra 15 to 20, which just makes the numbers that much more impressive. But in real a- reality, the ball's only flying – like 305, 310 tops, it's not flying 327. No, and it's, it's so annoying because they, they skew the concept of carry distance and they like add a little bit of roll in there to that carry. And it's like, oh, the guy, he just hit it 327. Like, well, you know who else can hit it like 327? Uh, Cameron Champ, uh, DJ. Uh, Brooks. Let's look at the top ten. Uh, Colin Morikawa, he bombs the ball, finished second place. You're looking at uh, T7, Bubba Watson, Gary Woodland. Gary Woodland pounds the ball. So does Bubba. Bubba's yeah. been a long hitter for years, and, and he's a noodle. stats just aren't there because he doesn't hit the driver all the time. Like, Bryson's the only one, one of the only ones in the top ten that finished top ten this week that was ballsy enough to just hit all these forced carries that was out there at Colonial, too. People like, need to forget the, that as well. What do you think of a driver uh, driving distance statistic with just the driver? It, it, really would, it get... would completely skew the numbers of, of what's out there because all these driving stats are off of every hole, um, and they really don't dive into, well, that guy was using two iron. Well, that guy was using, you know, maybe a five wood or something like that. It, it yeah, put it uh, in play. So. Yeah, it, it blows my mind how they love to skew the numbers just for some, some more, uh, you know, ad reads and some more wow factor. Um, I mean, that's you talk literally – that's all they had to talk – I mean, you got golf back, which is great. You know, you got all these players coming back, and it just seems they are so tunnel vision on – they pick one player, and they're like, all right, for the next four days, we're going to talk about this guy for the entire time. Like and it they completely did it with, they do it, they do it with Tiger when Tiger comes back into a tournament and he'll he'll play Thursday, Friday, get cut and go home. And they'll talk about during the entire weekend, they're talking about Tiger Woods. And oh, then it's done. Oh, it's over for Tiger. It's like, okay, let's not the tournament. This weekend, let's go. This past tournament, it was the Bryson show. And it was, all right, let's talk about Bryson's uh, game. And that's now all granted, it was. was gains, now gains, granted, gains. I will give it to them. He was in the top five all weekend long. So that's true. Yeah, they had a, they had a he, right to talk about the top five, but you know what it overshadowed? A twenty-one-year-old almost winning the tournament. Colin Morikawa almost won the damn thing, and it lost in a playoff to Daniel Berger. Berger hasn't oh, won in over two years. And let's let's not let's talk about Berger. Literally, just got his tour card last year. Yeah, he got so, cut. I mean, you want to talk about two phenomenal stories that finished one, two? No, we're going to talk about the protein bars Bryson DeChambeau was probably snacking on coming down the stretch Sunday. Like, time and time again, we miss the freaking picture of the greater stories in golf for headline grabs. And it's classic media BS. But Mm -hmm. I'm over it. Whatever. On to the Corn Fairy Tour. How many PB&Js do you think he has to eat now? Well, I don't want to there. talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. A lot of PB&Js. Bryson, if you're listening, how many PB&Js you snacking on? That's what I want to know. But anyway, Corn <laughs> Fairy Tour. We saw a really, really, really familiar name win on the Corn Fairy Tour this week. Like we said, uh, when we had Mickey on the show 
Um, we talked about him kind of being in his backyard um, and, and out at uh, TPC Sawgrass, the uh, valley course out at TPC Sawgrass, not the stadium course where they have the players, um, but a, a familiar name for anyone who really follows the tour, Luke List. Um, he's actually a previous tour winner, um, I believe, two or three years ago. Uh, but, you know, it, it was really cool to see a previous tour winner kind of come out of the woodworks. You know, we, we said somebody was going to win that we recognized or completely a no-name. Um, it, it ended up being somebody we recognized that won out in the Corn Ferry Tour the first week back. Um, but Mickey rocking in a solid top 40. Uh, making the cut, making, you know, making a steady go of it for the first week back. So um, he's playing great golf. And uh, I think I look to see him. I, I think he's going to compete here in the next couple of weeks as he, as he brushes off a little bit of the competitive dust and, and really gets things flowing. At Corn Ferry and PGA, there are some guys that you even saw. And Grant, I know a lot of the, uh, the media and even the players are saying they were playing like a lot of money games on the side, kind of to keep that type of competitive edge. But yeah, some of those top players, the nerves got to him and you saw it. And it was kind of, it, it sucks to see it. Listen, we all don't want to hit bad shots. We want to hit good shots. But again, when you see a pro hit a bad shot, it, it kind of brings them a little bit more back into reality and kind of gives you kind of the avid amateur golfer like, oh, it happens. You know, I mm -hmm. do it. They do it. We all do it. And yeah, like I saw... I saw JT, he was like under, granted, he was kind of under a tree, but it seemed like he had a swing on it to try and pop it on, you know, like a little pit shot into the, into the par five. He like top shanked it into like, into the fairway. And he just like looked, it was like, what? He was so confused. It's just, yeah. Some of these tour pros, sucks this, we, we talked about it when we, when we put down the clubs, even for, you know, yep. the quarantine, the first thing that goes when you put down the clubs is short game. And I think we oh, saw it, man. whether it was guys blading chips or whether it was, like you said, JT just really not knowing how to navigate kind of this little punch, touchy-feely shot under, under a tree. Mm -hmm. um, the hands don't – you know, they haven't had – you can practice all you want, but when you get around those, like, specialty shots, you, your hands just don't know how to operate, especially on a long layover like this. Yeah, yeah. I agree, but it was cool to see the guys, uh, those guys come back and definitely see uh, Mickey uh, up in the – hopefully he keeps the, uh, the foot on the gas. It's fun, man. It's like we talked about, along. and, I, and I, I, was, I was this this weekend. Uh, I wasn't watching it. You know, obviously there wasn't the, the Corn Ferry Tour TV coverage, but I was refreshing the, the scoreboards on, on my phone. It was nice to have something to look at. And to say that's live and, and it's going to update, yeah. you know, every five minutes, you know, the leaderboards flip flopping, the leaderboards changing. Um, and obviously with Mickey being in the mix, it's fun to have somebody to look for and to say, that's our guy, you know, that's, that's who we're pulling for. And you want to see them move up the leaderboard when that leaderboard starts to, you know, move around come Sunday afternoon. So it, yeah, it was it, so much fun to have live sports back, especially being golf fans. And it, and now, and like it being, live sports where it's going to be a weekly thing rather than, Oh, there's this exhibition where they got, you know, the okay to play. And it's just kind of, you've seen the light at the end of the tunnel uh, a little bit with, you know, all this, all this hoopla that's going on to hopefully get our back or get ourselves back to a, a, a reality here, uh, which is cool to see, but yeah, that's, it's awesome to finally see some live stuff uh, coming through the, through the pipeline now. So it's, you know, and that's what I even said to my dad. He's like, 
oh crap yeah i forgot golf's back on yeah he's like pumped he's like oh he was like live sports let's go (laughs) absolutely man yeah it's just there's good there's good vibes i think there's good vibes everywhere uh you know not only on the golf you know industry there's good vibes in um you know the rest of sports i think you know there's there's rumblings of schedules for you know just about every major sport whether it's whether it's basketball, whether it's baseball, whether it's NFL, uh, we're, we're hearing major rumblings of just, you know, schedules being released or this, this being put together. So, uh, it's exciting to start to have, you know, everything back and, uh, you know, you joined me down here in the Eastern shore and we, we got to eat outside at, uh, at, at a restaurant that that was was open. Um, you know, (laughs) you know what, that's what sucks to just go and say, wow, this is weird. Like when it be when before it was just the thing to do. You go play around in golf. You go grab a bite to eat. I mean, I'll tell you this: for coming from New Jersey and then going down to where you're at, it's like a completely different world. We've we uh, we, we've been up. blessed. We've been blessed yeah. with Ocean City kind of breaking the norm uh, and opening. For those who don't know, Ocean City, Maryland is primarily a resort town. Um, many of the businesses and uh, just people in general rely on tourists. Uh, income, you know, to, to make their living. Uh, so when we were shut down, uh, there was, there was a lot of talk about ocean city, uh, you know, kind of falling under and, and a lot of businesses going belly up. So, uh, they made a decision to, uh, you know, still practice social distancing, wear your masks. Um, but a lot of places in ocean city have that outdoor seating already set up because they're the beach uh, because they're the resort town. So they decided to open up, uh, you know, a little bit sooner than the rest of, uh, than the rest of Maryland. Um, and it just, it, it has proven to provide a really refreshing getaway, uh, for people, you know, everyone, I think that has experienced ocean city has been, you know, grateful of them opening their doors and respectful of the distancing, respectful of the masks when needed. Uh, they're just, they're happy to be out and about and get some salt air in their lungs <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, just, just have a drink outdoors. Uh, how great was it Dante to finish up our round at lighthouse sound and, and go have a beer? That was, that was, it was fantastic. Just sit down. Hey, can I get so-and-so? one of these sure no problem crack they crack it open here you go and it's it, it just cool because like you know what sucks is you know you go you gotta respect it too you know people ask to wear the mask and whatnot but all you see are these people's eyes and then like you see like this fear this like uncertainty when we we're sitting down at that restaurant like sitting on that like cut out like deck i mean all you heard were just people talking, people laughing, and then you saw people smiling. And it was like cool to see. It was like, it's nice to have a breath of fresh air. It was cool to see. It was awesome. It was, it was, uh, I got me some fish and chips. I mean, when you're down on, you know, down in Maryland and you're ordering a burger, shame, I mean, shame on you. Um, got, got some fish I mean, and hey, chips. We you got can, that. You can order a burger, just put yeah. that Maryland crab cake on top of it. That too, yeah. Surf and turf. And then, uh, <laughs> right. And then uh, some rum punch. I mean, it, it was good stuff. I it's mean, a great it, day, it, man. We felt, we we, uh, we we rounded out that absolute beating we both took on Lighthouse Sound. The wind was whipping about 30, wow. 40 miles an hour. Uh, we we took a, we took a butt whooping out on Lighthouse Sound. I, I'll Listen, be the first to admit it. We did we did get our ass kicked, which but it made that ninety six degree day with that you know ocean bay breeze whipping through. Make it feel like 70, 
five it did. degrees. It was crazy. Was At no point during the day did I think, man, it's 95 and like unbearable. Even yeah. though every temperature and gauge was saying 95, it still felt that nice, comfortable 70 some degrees. And I didn't have the issue with uh, slippery, sweaty hands that day. I was pumped about that. I was a little nervous because I totally like forgot. I was like, wow, we're like in June. It's going to be sticky hot and I'm just going to have a terrible day because my hand's just going to slip off the club all day. Well, I mean, I don't think I had. Let's get into that too, because (laughs) you've talked about time and time again, the issue with the tackiness the issue with the you know having your 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 secured grip on a on a club um you just ordered those rue grips that we talked about a few episodes ago ago and you put one on your driver what's the uh, what's the you know over under how long is that going to stay on that club do you like it is it is it worth the all the hoopla it's i think it's worth the hoop i love it it's worth the hoopla it's worth the money they are expensive i mean it's made from kangaroo leather and my one, my one buddy, Eddie G, he got shout out to him. Um, he made me feel bad. He goes, man, there's poor kangaroos. And I'm like, dang, just so you can have a grip on your club. I'm like, dang, bro, you like legit just shot me down of how excited I was to, to utilize this. Cause I mean, a lot of the Australian guys wear, um, wear them or utilize them because it's so hot down there. And dude, I'll tell you what, this thing is tacky. You don't need a glove and and like you get like any type of moisture on the grip, it gets even stickier. And I mean, dude, I, I still wear the glove with it. I'm taking my, I'm take when I'm in my follow through and you know, when you do like the, you know, the half club twirl or you, you, you know, you just let it slide down. I can't do that. I, I have to like take my top hand, right. I take my top hand off the glove and I have to pry off the, borderline too tacky borderline too tacky with the glove it's like too tacky but for me i'm like this is great because i know down the road if i'm playing on a 95 degree day and it's a or 100 humidity i'm gonna need so so i'm really happy for you because it seems like this this might be the end in sight of of your tackiness issues now maybe so it it might have a full season to afford a full set of clubs with these on them but I'm, I'm happy for yeah. you seeing end in sight. The test though is okay. So grip came in, check. Install accessibility, check. Now it is a leather grip, uh, so it's got the like the 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 cross the crossing like where they stitch it together because mm-hmm. it's got that stitch. So you got to make sure put installing it. You got to make sure like you flip it around and make sure that ridge is straight because then you don't want that all crooked and you can feel it in the fingertips of your hand. It's almost kind of like an align tool, like the, like the golf pride ones where they have that aligned ridge in it. Absolutely. It feels like that. So that, that's like the, that's the one kind of gripe I have about it. But I mean, it's, it's very, just make sure you align it up when you're installing the grip. But now the truth, so everything checks off. I like the tackiness and this and that and the durability. No, durability is the next. I got to make sure to see how long those actually last. So if like that grip wears off, like within seconds or something, you know, I'm not, I'm not forking up the dough for those grips. I'll, I'll go all rosin bag for for now on and just have rosin all over my hands and and shirt. I I don't care. Whatever. So you're either going, you're either going the kill the kangaroo route or the look like a crack attic route. One of the two is going to work for you. 
yeah, I'm gonna, I'm just a mess, I'm, I'm, and I'm going to be a mess in the future unless, hey, it's 100 percent humidity, or and I'm just like, you know what, I'm not playing today. But I mean, if I'm in New Jersey for a while, that's what it's going to be in the summertime. I think, so I gotta I figure out a way I to think cope. The with last that. remedy is to find you a new home base because a little less humidity, maybe a little more air in the winds can uh, can free you of these uh, these clammy hands. That or I'm, I'm playing at 6.30 in the morning. We'll figure out something for you. But, uh, guys, I'm excited to, you know, bring you the interview we have on deck. Like I said, Joe Jack from Asher Golf, head of operations. Uh, he takes us through everything within the company's kind of relaunch here uh, within the last few years and uh, everything they represent as a brand and things they're going to, you know, dive into in the future. He, he kind of touches on some of the new releases they're going to have coming um, and some of the new releases that they just released uh, this week. So, Guys, excited that you can give that a listen. Um, If you like the podcast, please give it a share, whether it's on iTunes or Spotify. And if you like it enough to leave us a review and a rating, please do so on iTunes. That would mean the world to us. Um, Just, you know, trying to share our love for the game, our our love for walking the golf course and carrying our clubs. uh, One like, one love, one review at a time. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, If you want to check out more, go to www.enjoythewalkpod.com. Check out our latest releases, all of our merchandise, golf tees, and uh, everything in between is on there. Hats are still available. We're running out, but we still have hats available. So, guys, if you want to check that out, we have the dad hats, the OG trucker hats, uh, the camo hats as well. So, hope you guys can go check that out. Support the brand however you may. And uh, up next, Joe Jack from Astro Golf. Finally, you know, with our schedules and his schedule, we're able to lock down um, a guy that just kind of, I think, expresses what we love about the game of golf and, and the brand that he represents in the game of golf is just kind of laid back, having fun with the game um, and just bringing a new kind of modern flair into the game of golf in which we so desperately need. Um, so excited to have Joe Jack on the show with us operations at Asher Golf. Joe, how are things out there in Utah? You know, it's awesome. We finally decided to have some good weather. It's been a, it's kind of a long winter with everything going on, but it's great. We're just out here cranking away and just trying to enjoy the weather and get out and golf. It's a little bit easier said than done, which uh, in this case is a good problem. It means, uh, means I'm busy doing other things with work, so... <laughs> Yeah, no, before you mentioned, uh, you know, before we hopped on, you mentioned you guys have been just absolutely balls to the walls, busy with Asher Golf, which in in any industry is a good thing, you know, a gift and a curse at the same time. Um, Exactly. You know, walk us through how you first got started with Asher Golf. Have you been there since the inception of Asher? So I haven't been with the company since the inception, but I've actually been around the company since it started. It's actually kind of pretty interesting. So I... My background is sales and management, and there was a golf store out here in Utah that I worked at, did sales for a while, moved up as one of the managers, and uh, back in, oh gosh, it's been probably 2000, I think it was right when Asher started, actually, in 2009, I got introduced, uh, we had a guy come into the shop, and he's like, hey, like, you know, Asher Golf, like, we're from Utah, type of thing, and A, like, I love local brands, B, my thing always has been like, I hate looking like everyone else and fitting in like everyone else. I always have, I'm the kid that wore like pastel pink pants. If I would go out, like just crazy things. So uh, got introduced to Asher actually back then when I worked at the golf shop and that's where I kind of found the company and fell in love with it. And then 
out of nowhere, it, the company, it just disappeared. All of a sudden I couldn't find the gloves and everything. Wasn't really sure what happened. And then, uh, and that's actually towards when they got bought by our, the new, the current owner, Matt, and they came back in about 2017. And then, um, funny enough, Matt also went to high, same high school as me, but he was a couple of years older. So they had an ad out looking for uh, someone to kind of run operations and I was sick of doing sales. And so I applied and that's kind of how I found myself there. So I wasn't there since the company started, but I've kind of been around the company. Uh, I've been a fan of the company since, since it was incepted actually. So well, it's really funny. You mentioned that kind of like disappearance of the brand, because it was definitely something on our list uh, that we wanted to talk about. And it's just kind of that thing, you know, Dante and I saw you guys down at the PGA show. We saw your booth and we thought, huh, Asher golf, like, where have I heard that before? Like I, I, we, we both knew we had seen it around the industry, but it wasn't something that was like, you know, kind of prominent. Um, and then just, you know, meeting up with guys ended up, we ended up playing with a, a guy from the Utah area um, the day after the show out at Dubs Dread in Orlando, Florida. And uh, he was carrying an Asher golf bag, had yep. an Asher glove. And we kind of just, you know, we, we just by happenstance got to dive in to, you know, what is Asher golf? Um, what was it like for you guys to kind of, you know, be a part of this resurgence of a brand that had, you know, kind of fizzled off? You know, it's been, it's been wild. I mean, we, uh, when, when Matt took it back over, I mean, it's kind of a test to, I mean, behind every great company, there's a great leader. I'm a very, very big proponent of that. And kind of when, when everything was brought back, he actually shut it down for a complete year, went through, stripped everything. You know, he spent about a month and a half, two months actually overseas sourcing, manufacturing, like everything. So top to bottom, got rid of the old logo. Um, and then even back when I, I've been with the company about just a hair over a year now, actually. And even from when I started, this resurgence of the company has been crazy to watch. Being with a company that I knew before and seeing it where it was to where it is now, it's, I mean, you hear people say every day, it's, you know, a night and day difference. This literally is such a big difference from what we were turning out, what they were turning out all the way back in 2009. It's been really cool to see it grow and just see kind of the stronghold that's taken on the golf industry it could be our own local uh, or international presence. It's been really fun. And just kind of like you uh, as mentioned before, this last couple months, it's just been a wild ride. So it's, it's awesome. That, that's awesome to hear. And, you know, talk about the beforehand, like what you knew Asher Golf to be before you joined it. You know, what did it represent then? And is it still in some ways, shape or form, kind of representing, you know, what it was founded upon? Yeah. So in a lot of ways, we kept, we, uh, Asher has kept that same ethos uh, to the company before, you know, this, one of the sayings, we've had a couple of things kind of since our inception. One is we have, we like to say that we have a healthy lack of respect for the mundane. Now kind of where that came from is like I, I mentioned before, I, no one likes to fit in, you know, white golf glove. That's kind of the standard in the industry. You know, we went in and we saw, you know, if you go into your sporting goods store, golf store, you have all these different clothing, you know, club manufacturers, all these different things that made them stand out. But all of a sudden you go look at your gloves and it's just a wall of white golf gloves. There's a difference everywhere else, but there. So, you know, we, we felt that there wasn't really a style uh, 
there wasn't the style of anything that set you apart. You couldn't even tell which ones were a better quality glove. I mean, everything, you know, your weather soft looked just like your pure touch, nothing, nothing really stood out. And so we thought that there was a way that we could do a better, you know, better quality, better style, kind of everything. And that's the same exact thing that we have today. We still believe that there is a huge uh, gap in the market that we believe that we have filled to an extent. You know, we still think there's a lot of room to grow, but there's still that uniqueness. I mean, like I said, we, we believe Asher is for everyone because we want that person who wants that uncompromised style in that, that product. And we have everything for the people who want their basic white glove down to, you know, like that crazy design. So the, the ethos of the company has stayed the same, but we still want to bring a better quality glove at a better price point to, to the market because who wants to buy a $40 golf glove? Let's be honest. You, you don't, it doesn't last. It doesn't last as long as like a shirt. You're not going to go spend that same money. So we just wanted to be able to bring that to them. And it's been really cool to even see the changes the company has made, but still have that core value at the end of the day. And that's really neat because I feel like uh, when, a, when a company launches, you know, a decade after, or I should say before, it's kind of rebrand in per se of what you guys took and flipped. Um, there's a lot of loyalists out there that would say, you know, I, I want to stick with this brand, you know, and, and hope that they stick true to those core values. So it's really nice to see yeah. that, you know, you guys still are out for the same kind of cause of, of creating something that's, you know, truly unique and something that's not going to be easily replicated out there on the market or if it is replicated it's replicated because you you guys did such a good job of breaking that mold um and and i think you're starting to see that too you know you guys consistently i think time and time again come up with whether it's different patterns or just unique t-shirts even away from the glove market uh, to kind of just you know break the norm and make it cool to wear golf clothes you know on and yeah. off the golf course yeah and that's like so that's kind of a big focus i mean this next, uh, geez, three, four months, there's a lot of really great stuff we have coming out that we, uh, we really think it's going to shake up the, uh, the industry and the market in general. So we're super stoked because golf already has a reputation for not being an inclusive sport. We wanted to be able to have that product that is inclusive to everyone. Like I said, if it be from a style standpoint or whatever it may be, we want everyone to feel like there's a place here at Asher. I mean, like I said, that's why even though, our kind of core was nothing with a white glove. We have that white glove out there for someone with our own take on a white glove that we have. But, you know, we wanted to give them, the people who want that white glove, we wanted to give them that quality that the, that the industry was lacking. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you talked about it, you know, a little earlier when you said you, you hit that white wall of gloves. And, and it was for years on years on years. You know, I played, I think, junior golf since, goodness, dating me here, 2000 and. <laughs> Two, 2003 and like anytime you would go to whether it's a pro shop or like a golf galaxy or dick sporting goods it was just all white and and i think it just it spoke to how drab the the scene of golf was at the yep. time and we're starting to see people you know across the board start you know quote unquote breaking the mold and i and i think it's awesome yep. what you guys are doing and and not only putting bright colors to to gloves but putting patterns and and everything like that and you know i think that's what i want to jump into first because it's kind of what dante and i both have our hands on is not only the uniqueness of the gloves but still the quality that's maintained you know when when i first put it on and i think dante can speak to this as well it just felt and i, and I don't mean this in a bad way but like thicker than other gloves mm -hmm. And, but, but so much more tackier 
And, and, you know, Dante, I think you had kind of the same realization when you first put one on when we played together. Oh, yeah. So went down, uh, met up with you, and I was like, oh, I just – it was like the day before the gloves came in the mail. And I was like, all right, cool. And I, like, pulled it out of the out of the package, which hats off to you guys in the packaging. It comes in a little <laughs> Ziploc. So because I carry a Ziploc bag with multiple gloves, and I've – been told and studies say that yep. the glove keep lasts longer rather yep keeps yep. it fresher rather than just wrapping it to you know the back of your like you know handle of your bag and just letting it crinkle oh, yeah. and then it dries out and you know it on to well, now it's basically lost its touch and now you need to go buy a new one so i yeah. take i unpackage it i'm like all right this packaging is pretty sweet i was like like it's easily reusable i put on the glove and i'm like whoa like immediately felt a difference because I'll, I'll tell you what for the viewers and all that i i probably said this before i'm five six i'm like 155 pounds i'm i'm short you know i'm just i'm a small guy i have small hands and finding gloves that fit and that are actually good quality and work and last is so hard to find these days and i'll even say the top the top manufacturers something like that the top brands found new manufacturers and almost from their previous like from their original model their i guess their new manufacturer it, it's cheaper it's it's weaker and it, it just flat out sucks okay. uh and then the glove comes in and i'm i'm like whoa like this glove is it feels thicker it feels tackier and i have a problem because since i have smaller hands you know I need, I need that, I need that extra grip. Cause once my hands start slipping, it's like game over. And then I'm just like, I'm, I'm yeah. out. I'm done for the day. I'll like, I'll, I'll hands off hand hats off to you guys. I mean, like the glove came in, it was super tacky. I mean, like I was like, I put the glove on and it was like sticking to my grip. And I was like, this is perfect. <laughs> there was, me. there was legitimately an audible like tack to it when I, when he, yeah. when I heard him grip the club, cause I was hitting <laughs> the balls right next to him on the range. I was like, oh boy, I think we're in, I think we're in for a good round if, if that holds itself. And, and through like 14 or 15 holes, he's like, dude, this thing's as tacky as when I broke it out of the, when I broke it out of the bag, it was, it was really, it was really awesome to see. Cause there's so many gloves that, you know, they have that initial tack and then four or five mm -hmm. holes in it loses, loses it, it too. So like, yep. talk to us a little bit, you know, what kind of leather are you guys using and, and what maybe sets it apart from the competition? Yeah, so I mean, plain and simple is we use the highest grade leather out there. Other people, they just don't use it. They use a, we use the AAA Corretto leather. So all of our premium gloves are going to be the same thickness. And it's interesting you said it feels a little thicker. So it's one of those that's almost kind of like a ghost, a ghost feeling. So it's actually mainly because depending on the dye you use, it'll actually make it feel thicker, things like that. But most other manufacturers don't use the same grade. Um, and because obviously a lot of reasons, it's more expensive. It sometimes doesn't hold up as long. Uh, and that's kind of the interesting because anytime you're working with a natural animal product, you, there's always things you can run into. So that's kind of the first thing that really sets us apart is it's just the highest quality leather out there. A lot of people, you know, say they have a higher quality, but it's like going to be your double A, single A, uh, things like that. And that generally is what gets into your uh, kind of your lower price point gloves. if it is a leather it's generally one of those uh thicker that uh, tends to have more hiccups in the leather in general so there's that and then kind of what you touched on the sizing so 
it's actually really interesting. We spent a lot of time researching sizing because you have everyone who says they're cadet and there are cadets out there, cadet sizes. I, I will not say that is a lie, but we actually found out that most people who think they're a cadet aren't. Um, it's kind of a misconception. So there are people that are that true cadet, but uh, we have a true to size fit. So a lot of people, like you were mentioning, kind of in your same boat, big, hey, like I'm a cadet medium large, what do you recommend? They try on a medium large and nine out of 10 times, they're like, holy crap, like that's the first glove that's fit me. So we spent a lot of time in that. Uh, that that's, I think it's the, it's the attention to detail which really sets us apart besides the material is you don't have people who are putting that much time into thinking about it, even down to the packaging, like you said. That's why we did a Ziploc bag is for you can keep your glove, it will last longer. And we didn't want to just have some boring package we wanted to make sure it's something you're actually proud of to keep i mean i have almost every one of our packages we've had and eventually i'm going to make almost like a collage out of them just because they are we get i get them in and i'm like these are just sick like i don't want to get rid of this packaging i mean so, i'll be 100 percent honest when i first saw it like for for the people who are maybe listening on our podcast check out our youtube page uh, enjoy the walk podcast on there as well you can see the packaging i'm holding up here it's their uh premium collection making waves glove and as an Eastern Shore rep and, uh, you know, loving the beach down here on the East Coast, uh, I was pretty pumped to get this. But you don't even have to open up to really see what it is because it's got yeah. the glove kind of already on there. And the same goes for their Canary Yellow, um, holding up the packaging here with that as well. That it's just sweet. It is just so cool yeah, that, you know, awesome. how many other companies, I don't think many at all, if any, are, are putting pictures of their gloves on the packaging like this. And, uh, you know, I can only imagine how well, how well it reads, um, you know, on a, on a pro shop level, if you're, if you're putting these in a pro shop or, or any retail store, you know, mm -hmm. just kudos to you guys for doing that kind of packaging, because I, th I think, yes, a it's, it's, it looks good, but B, like you said, it serves another purpose. I, I can put that Ziploc bag in my, in my golf bag and, and let it there and can keep my glove fresh for probably three or four times as long as the competition in cardboard or other plastic, you know, containers. Exactly. And, and I mean, going, and going to the to the sizing aspect, to, and I'll be honest here, uh, I was like reading the messaging back and forth, and uh, like a uh, little hesitant. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I was like, who is this guy to tell me I'm not a cadet? A cadet small? He's probably small of fit. I'm like, this guy doesn't know my hands, dude. I have like short, stubby fingers, and every glove that I purchase, I'm I'm getting cadet small, and since small, he's like, we got small. It'll fit true to size, like trust me and I was like mm, I don't know I don't know I'll be honest and then it comes in and I'll you know it fits and I was like wow and like the glove, the glove at first is like a little tight which is which is you're like oh okay but yep. what I was like once that break-in yeah. period hits it's gonna be perfect because I always think ahead especially when it comes to shoes and and you know especially golf gloves is is you know you put them on in the store brand spanking new you're like oh yeah these fit well, let's think about once you start using wear and tear on, on the yeah. product, you know, like you can get like a, a size eight shoe and base basically like, yo, this fits nice and snug and come down after, you know, say like golf shoes, you know, three or four rounds once they, and you're walking and they're fully like almost broken in and that shoe's now like an eight and a half push a nine because it's stretched <laughs> out. I was yeah, thinking that's, that's me. That's me personally. Well, I think ahead. Unfortunately, I, like, I wish everyone did because you definitely, <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you definitely run into that where, and that's just interesting in any sort of apparel 
uh, company, you run into things like that where people are like, this is too tight. And then you're like, well, like, can you, can you close it? Like there is, there is a point where, okay, something is too tight and you're going to split it. But then you get a lot of people who are like, no, it's just tight. And I'm like, well, it's, it's natural leather. It's going to stretch. Like we're at a couple of rounds. It's going to fit perfect. Like don't, don't freak out and be like, I need to exchange for a bigger size. Cause then when they exchange the, the biggest thing with gloves too, and like why we spent so much time on fit is you will actually wear out a glove quicker if it's not the right size. If it's too big of a glove and you have extra fabric, it's going to create more friction. You can rip it a lot e easier. So size is definitely a huge, huge thing for us. And that's why we spent all that time, but I'm glad it worked out. Cause like I said, there are people who are that real cadet, but you just hope that it's not that one time that you're like, Hey, like you're going to be fine. Don't worry about it. So talk us, so talk us through that a little bit, you know, since you guys have, you know, kind of dove down that path of, of really figuring out sizing and, and what all goes into it. What would you say for people who maybe, you know, might have been wearing the wrong size glove for, for their entire life, even, you know, sometimes I feel like people get the wrong fit and just, are, are comfortable with that fit, even though it might be a little loose or this, that, or the other, and are just, you know, stuck with that size. How can people maybe find the proper size for them if, if they feel like they're in the wrong size glove right now? You know, the, the biggest thing is obviously, especially if you are bringing in other manufacturers into that, everyone's are a lot of, a lot of the same, but all are a little bit different. I mean, I, from the stats that from the research that I did by myself kind of uh, separate when I was doing some other things for our gloves is 50% of golfers will wear the wrong size glove. Uh, most times it is them wearing a glove that's too big, kind of like we talked about uh, because of the stretch. And I mean, the glove is the closest thing that comes into contact with your glove, with your club. Obviously, it, you know, it, it is. So it should fit like a second skin. And if you have any movement kind of between that glove, that could compromise you know, it would be a swing because your hand's slipping, but also ripping your glove. So really that's kind of my biggest advice to people is it should feel like a second skin. You want it snug where if it stretches a little bit like a new pair of shoes, it's still going to fit you nice and tight. Like I said, obviously it's a little bit of a common sense where if you can't even get it close with the Velcro, it's too small. So just make sure it's kind of like a second skin. That's, That's one of those things thing. I always, um, you know, Dante and I even talked about it when he put it on, I knew it fit him perfectly right away because he wasn't stretching the, you know, the, the closing mm -hmm. part of the Velcro to really force it to close, but he also didn't have it overhanging, you know, like yeah. almost an inch. It was, uh, it was yeah. perfectly kind of covered. I, Little Velcro was showing on the underside. Yep. So I was like, dude, that's a perfect fit. And I just knew it right away. And, and the same with mine, the men's medium, you know, for me, uh, just fit perfectly. And it's the same thing. Like I don't have to work to close it, but I also don't have so much left over that it's like, you know, that there's just a bunch of bunch up of material. And, and I think that's the way it should be too. You know, some like people, Cinderella putting on the glass slipper. Amen to that. Couldn't have, yeah, couldn't I, have said I, it better. <laughs> when I try on gloves and I put it on, I make sure that the, uh, the, the Velcro strap is actually kind of like half the Velcro is showing. Mm -hmm. Cause I know when that breaking period, I'll, it's yep. going to be fully attached. Oh, I've seen guys walk out of pro shops and they grab a, they grab a glove and they like it's already all the way to the max tight they got the entire half like three quarters yeah. of the flap overlapping i was like yeah that's gonna be a problem yep <laughs> we've all been there we've all done it in the past i mean we're all guilty of it so no it's a uh, that's that's the biggest thing like i said that will be the quickest thing that leads to a uh, excess wear and tear or premature wear and tear actually so for sure yeah there, and it's definitely obvious i think you know to at least 
I think Dante and myself and anyone who really plays a ton of golf is, is like you said too. each manufacturer fits a little differently and you kind of just got to feel it out. You know, if you're a medium in, in one manufacturer, you might not be, you know, a medium in another manufacturer and you kind of just got to go mm. usually to find it and, and try it on at least once before you make a purchase. Um, but let, let's talk a little bit, you know, other than golf clubs, you guys also kind of do, dove into, you know, the golf bag side of things and you know guys had some some pretty cool t-shirts and long sleeve tees that you know chasing birdies and stuff like that that was pretty trendy here you know what influences your guys's you know choices or or kind of design aside from the golf gloves how, how do you guys you know choose or pick and choose what you guys want to go into beside golf gloves you know it, it's interesting because really kind of one of the questions we asked ourselves was like what do we want to wear on off the course that's kind of a big thing for us is we want i mean we we believe that we speak for kind of you know the market that we're going for so we're like what do we want to wear you know we talk with our friends things like that i kind of get some different ideas and it still comes back to our central theme that we want to make we want to make it better we want to kind of fill take something that may have been okay and make it great i mean especially like with our t-shirts i think uh without trying to give too much of it away, the stuff that we have coming out in probably a month or so, you know, COVID kind of did a number on, 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 on those dates. But uh, if you like the shirts before, you're going to absolutely, it, the ones we have coming are going to blow your mind. Um, but it's just kind of like, how can we do different cool things? That's kind of where our ideas come from. You know, we get a lot of inspiration just from other brands, other people that we're friends with, just things like that. Just always, having to ask yourself like, what would, what do I want to wear? Uh, and that's kind of proven to be our best, our best element when it comes to design, just by asking us and asking, you know, the other guys we're out on the course with. And we just, uh, I know sometimes it's a little lightning in the bottle too, but uh, it's just, it's never changing process. So that's kind of where our designs come from. But yeah, it's like I said, I, I just can't wait for the stuff coming out to show you guys. <laughs> we're, we're definitely excited to see it. I know uh, I see you wearing a Link Soul uh, sweatshirt there as well. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and you guys kind of remind me of that just in, in the way you guys approach the game in just a laid back atmosphere. And, and you know, I, I, I mean that in, in all, you know, love because I yeah. love Link Soul. I love everything they do. Um, you know, John Ashworth out there just kind of, I think, embodies on the West Coast what Dante and I love about the game on the East yeah. Coast. It's just those guys love the walk. They love the heritage of the game. They love the reason we all play. Um, and, and I think you guys have been diving down that path too. You know, I think with um, just the kind of the things you produce and, and it's quality over quantity with you guys. And, you know, it's just, it's all about enjoying the game and, and loving the game for what it is. And I think, you know, the more and more you guys produce things, the more you just see every time you release, you can tell it's with care and it's with a lot of attention to detail. Um, so just kudos to you guys that, you know, you guys are getting back in the game like, like that in the way you guys are. I think the approach is just really commendable. Yeah. And uh, we, you know, we really appreciate that because that is kind of our whole focus is it's some days that, you know, I think it, we're a little bit of, we're like a link. We have kind of that links of vibe, like you said, but we have a little bit of an edge added to that. Like I said, the whole, our whole model, healthy lack of respect for the mundane you know, we believe if you look good, you feel good, you play better. That's kind of another one that we've had since inception in 2009. Uh, but essentially, it kind of reflects with who we're friends, friends, you know, we're friends with all the guys out of Link Soul. We believe that golf has gotten to a point, well, that everyone is just trying to 
you know, kind of a dog eat dog world where mm-hmm. we think that this, you know, it's a game of unity. That's why like a lot of people, we do a lot of collabs with other people. You know, we released a women's collab with Foray Golf last year. We did a dormy workshop uh, club this year. Link sold true. We try to kind of have kind of that collective of friends who are like-minded to kind of help move this game forward. Because if you go about this game by yourself, it's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a short road in the, in the uh, industry. We, we agree. And we, we talk about that all the time on and off air. I think, you know, the, the way we grow the game and, and the way we've experienced the game too is, is, you know, the way golf is truly, I think, experienced with overall joy is you go to the course and whether you're playing by yourself or with a bunch of buddies or even strangers, you guys end up being one full collective by the end of the day, all striving mm-hmm. for one goal. And that's to get this little white ball into this little cup that no one can seem to perfect. And it's that kind of unity that we, no, all, we, can't. That we all gather around and say, you know what, if, if you're yeah. willing to come out here and, and struggle with me or alongside me in this endeavor, then you know what, I have a lot of respect for you. So um, it, it, I think it's that kind of unity it, with, with the brands, like you just mentioned, Link Soul, True Links, uh, Asher Golf, all you guys. Um, I think there's just a common goal for the better of the golf industry yep. right now. And it's a really cool trend to see. Well, thank you. Uh, really, like I said, really appreciate it. Just golf's a game that can be loved by everyone. So why try to, why try to not make it as inclusive as you can? 100%. Now I got to ask, you know, you guys are out in Utah. Um, what yep. do you guys see within kind of the, you know, the local Utah golf industry there? Um, you know, is there a, a, almost a brand pride to Asher and attachment to Asher and, and, you know, from Utah, where do you guys really see your, your, your brand growing and trending here lately? You know, it's, it's interesting. Utah, the Utah market is, is good for us, but, uh, honestly kind of starting off we almost had better traction outside of utah just because utah is its own utah is an amazing golf culture but uh for whatever reason it's it took a little bit longer to kind of get everything fully rolling in utah i think sometimes people is you know think of utah and they think of you know there's all sorts of assumptions that come out of utah so sometimes it's hard to kind of get over over those but uh, as far as like kind of where the brand is going we actually have a great international presence we are all over the world we can truly say that we are an international company uh, it's it's growing like crazy with courses out here but i said we've honestly seen a huge jump in you know canada over in asia and korea and japan so it it's really cool to see how it's growing and like i said kind of with those different friendships we've made along the way that only has been able to help us continue continue to expand and kind of keep growing it everywhere so for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's really neat too. And, and a side of things, you know, I, I, especially us, I don't think we knew uh, even seeing your stand down there at the golf show this year, how international you guys were and, and what those other international markets looked like. Uh, you know, what does some of those markets look like golf wise that maybe a lot of people here in the States maybe just don't know or, or don't understand about, you know, whether it's the Japanese market or the Chinese golf market, you know, is it alive and well, as well as it seems to be kind of budding and, you know, really, really flourishing right now in the United States? Yeah. I mean, especially over in Asia, it is one of those things that I think has always flour- is really flourished even going through everything. It's almost like it's kind of underground flourishing because over here in the States, we don't really see how much it's flourishing over there. Uh, but having said, like I said, working for a golf 
store retail store before we still got a lot of international customers it truly is really just booming out there i mean over in japan and asia just everywhere they it's crazy they love their colors which plays kind of well into us but it's like everywhere is alive and booming it's been interesting i think everything that's gone on from covid side is actually really helped golf where like the trend that we've seen at least out here in like utah and some of the other states is courses have been packed and they've been having more rounds than they had the year before. I mean, the only downside from a wholesale side point standpoint was the pro shops were closed. Mm-hmm. So we couldn't really sell anything to them, but golf is flourishing. And over there, I, uh, I think there's a lot to be learned from over in Asia when it comes to the golf side of markets and things like that. It's a really cool culture around golf. I, I want to get over there and kind of go just dive into it. Cause I think there's a lot to learn actually. Speak a little more on that because I, I, I've heard this kind of, I, I guess now it's starting to become this, this kind of collective answer of we have a lot to learn from that market. You know, what do you mean by that as far as, you know, what do you think maybe a thing or two that the United States golf market or just the golf industry in general can kind of take from, you know, the Asian countries and, and bring back and, and start, you know, meshing in with our culture over here? Yeah. I mean, I think a big thing over there is kind of the design aspect and that um, they have a lot more emphasis on, you know, if it'd be like their gloves, some of those other pieces that they're adding to it, where over in the States, sometimes I think we, I mean, you see it on the course, how people are dressing, things like that over, over there. Like it's almost more important, like how you're dressing and what you're accessorizing and how you look is more. And, you know, even down to their clubs, I mean, as you guys know, Japanese model clubs are, nuts sometimes like they are crazy uh but that's something that i really think that we could learn a thing or two from here i mean i think uh i think sometimes us over in the states aren't the best well aren't the best dressed um and i think that's something we could really take that's the thing i love from the design aspect just the things they love i mean they love their custom i mean we've done stuff we did a custom glove for beans golf which is all huge over there uh, and that's you know, a side that our U.S. side is starting to slowly tap into all of our custom stuff we do. But I just love the design and like the attention to that detail. Or I mean, I had one customer I was emailing back and forth, and he had bought in eight different gloves because he's like, "Oh no, like I'm gonna literally use these all within like the next like eight rounds. It just <laughs> depends on my outfit." And I'm like, "That's awesome." <laughs> That is fantastic. And, you know, just, just kind of shouting out the, the selection you guys have. I mean, you have over, I think it looks like 12 different collections just on your website currently. Uh, patriotic collections, premium collections. Just spring. launched that one today, actually. Yeah. I mean, these are, these are awesome. And it just speaks to, I mean, you know, the variety you can wear with different outfits. And, and I, I think it just goes back to what you were saying that I think the you know, the, the foreign markets do pay maybe a little more attention to that. They like matching everything and and i'd love to see that flow back into our side of things just not only in the golf gloves but i think you're 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 going to start seeing more custom availability on shoes you're going to start seeing more custom availability availability on belts we talked about we talked to next belt a few weeks ago and and they were talking about the lines they were bringing kind of inspired from the japanese asian market and and how they were so excited uh you know post is kind of covid launch messing up their schedules as well (laughs) 
um, excited to launch some really cool, bright, you know, fun looking things, but still having that high attention to detail. So um, I, I'm really excited to see what you guys have coming down the pipeline because um, it's already, you know, really impressive in the line you guys just dropped today. Um, there's so much detail in it and it, it's, it's really astounding how much detail you guys drop in a single glove. Um, so, you know, where can people find you other than maybe pro shops and things like that to, to get a hold of you? Is it just ashergolf.com or, you know, what's the best Asher, yeah. product? So ashergolf.com is the best and easiest way. That's where you can kind of get everything that we offer. Uh, we ship internationally and as well, like I said, we're slowly starting to pop up in other places, uh, up in Canada, golf town, which is kind of their giant golf retailer is going to be carrying us in the next uh, we're just kind of getting some of the last pieces together. So a lot of golf shops are slowly starting to get us, but if you want the full collect collection, everything that we offer, and also w with everything we do, we do a lot of limited releases. So AsherGolf.com is by far the best place to get that and to make sure you can get uh, some of those collections that, you know, you, you see on Instagram and want to make sure it's not gone. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure, uh, especially these special releases here, uh, they go quick. Uh, so definitely check that out, guys. Like he said, ashergolf.com. Uh, also give them a follow, follow at ashergolf on Instagram. Uh, they, they keep a pretty lively Instagram feed there as well. So always fun to watch, you know, like you said, your latest releases and, and kind of just uh, seeing, you know, kids and, and families just all enjoying your product. So, uh, Joe, really appreciate the time tonight, man. And, you know, excited to see, uh, hopefully, you know, the, the launches coming down the line here over the summer and, uh, you know, pending whatever the climate looks like uh, next spring. Maybe we'll see you down at next year's PGA show. Oh, you know, he'll see us. Don't worry. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for the time. Guys, that's Joe thanks, Jack guys. from Asher Golf. Um, go follow them. Go give them a look. I guarantee you, Dante and I can both kind of approve for you. You will not be disappointed in the quality of their products. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. One shot at a time.